I want you to think about different advertisements or commercials that you've seen over time. And there's got to be a common thread there. For instance, let's imagine that you see someone driving along a highway in an automobile. Maybe they're drinking a Coke, you know. But the expression on their face is a big, bright smile, extremely happy. Everything is great. Life is wonderful, right? Think if they change that. Here's a guy, he's driving, so I don't know, what are they selling? They're selling the car or they're selling the Coke, but they're selling something, right? And the person who's involved is all happy about it. Change the scenario. Here's this guy driving down the road and he's got this beverage in his hand and he's got this terrible scowl on his face and he just looks miserable. He's hating every moment of it, you can tell. Would they use that picture to sell the car or to sell the drink? No, right? Because if you want to sell something, you want to present its positive side. You want to show people who are happy. They really love driving this automobile. They really enjoy drinking a Coca-Cola. You want to show people happy with what they're doing. And why? With the idea that you'll get others who want a share of that as well. They want some of that happiness. They want to enjoy those products. Any Anybody would know that, right? You don't have to be an advertising executive. You don't have to be someone who's trained in marketing to know that if you want to sell something, you want to present it in a positive light. That's simple, right? Well, today we want to talk about being Christians. And we want to talk about demonstrating the joy of our salvation. That's what our lesson is about this morning. We want to talk about the joy of our salvation. There are lots of reasons why we should be joyful in our salvation. Uh, but one that I really want to emphasize to us this morning is so that others will see us uh, and they'll want that as well. They'll see the positive benefits of serving the Lord in our lives and that they then will say, I'd like to be there too. I'd like to have that as well. And so our lesson this morning is real simple and our objectives are absolutely fundamental, and that is that we want to encourage us all to both recognize and demonstrate the joy of our salvation so that in the process we might have the opportunity to influence others who will want to do that as well. We stop here for just a minute to say thank you for being present on this beautiful Lord's Day. We're so blessed. We have so many good things in our material lives. We're going to be talking about our blessings in our spiritual life here in just a moment. But we just have so much to be thankful for. And, of course, one of the privileges of being able to come together like this is to express our gratitude to God who gives us all things. We hope you'll be pleased with our worship this morning. We hope all of us will be edified. For those who are visiting, we're glad that you came. We hope you'll come again every time you have an opportunity to be here. Thanks for being present this morning. Let's talk about the joy of salvation. I just got a number. I'm going to talk, uh, just list a number of things and just really talk about them briefly. What about the joy of our salvation? There is joy in, first of all, learning the truth, that the truth is available to us. We've talked before about how horrible it would be if here we were living on planet Earth, we looked into the vast expanses of the universe and saw all of that and saw the amazing things that are around us, and had the sense there must have been some power that created all these things, but we don't know anything about Him. We're at a loss. Wonder who it was. And I wonder if that being or that power wants us to be doing something. Wouldn't that be a horrible plight to be in? Thankfully, we are not there. God has revealed Himself to us. 
And in fact, we of all people of all time are in a favored position to see the whole picture that God wants mankind to know. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. We've mentioned this verse a couple times recently when we've been studying through the minor prophets. Here are all those great men of old, those prophets of God, who were prophesying of things that they did not fully understand. They were prophesying about things and they didn't know the application of all that they were saying. But we do. We live in a time where the plan of God is is come to fruition, when it's all laid out for us. We have the, the truth of God fully displayed before us, and that's a wonderful thing. We should be joyful about that. As we think about all that God has revealed to us, there's joy in contemplating what God has done and the planning that He has put into it for us. Not only uh, do we have information uh, about God, but it, the truth that He's revealed to us tells us that He has been eternally planning things for our good. Uh, we, we have an almighty Creator who cared for us and who made plans for our well-being. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, it speaks of the eternal purpose which God purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here we are today, and we are the benefactors of something that God was planning all throughout eternity. In fact, as we read through our Bible, all through recorded time, as we have it in the Bible, we see this plan coming together piece by piece, and here it is. And so we can be joyful that we uh, not only know the truth of God, but we can see how he was working and planning for us throughout all of time. Furthermore, there's joy in remembering Jesus. Uh, we're going to be, in just a few minutes, observing the Lord's Supper. And so, uh, as we do, we'll be thinking about Jesus. We'll be thinking about how he left heaven and came to live among men. He lived a perfect life, but then suffered a horrible death on the cross. Of course, when we take the Lord's Supper, we're remembering that sacrificial death of Jesus how he died, and his blood was shed to effect our salvation. But you know, if we just stop there, just talking about the death of Jesus, that'd be a defeat, right? Uh, and actually, really, there wouldn't be anything to celebrate if his death was the end and the finishing of the story. But thankfully, we also have the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ as part of that story, too. And so as we remember Jesus, there's great joy. Yes, certainly joyful to think that, that there was love of God and the willingness of Jesus uh, to die for our sins, but also to think about the fact that he was resurrected, the firstborn from the dead he is referred to, and the idea that we have that same thing to look forward to. Remembering Jesus is a joyful thing. We can be very happy about that and joyful, and we ought to be. Now again, let me stress to you the idea that we're, real simple, is this is not complicated at all, not intended to be a complicated lesson at all. But I'm concerned that sometimes we go through life with a scowl on our face. Uh, sort of like we're unhappy, everything's unpleasant, we're not enjoying this at all. Of all the people in the world, we're the ones who ought to be happy and showing it. And we need to work at that. I think we can do better. I, I'm confessing that I can do better, and I think we all can. We can attract people to Christ by showing that we have this joy of salvation in us. 
Certainly there's joy in being invited to share in salvation. I know all of us probably have had multiple experiences in our lives when we were invited to something special. Maybe someone uh, included you uh, in some activity that they were planning. They wanted your presence. They wanted you to be there. You know, it's always just sort of special to receive an invitation. That's, that's, that's something that we like, right? That, there's, there's joy in that. Well, here's an invitation to participate in the most wonderful things of all, the joy of salvation. In the text that Jeff read for us earlier from Matthew 11, you know it well. Very famous words of Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to participate in the things of salvation, that we can have a relief from the load that we can't carry and take on the responsibilities that he says we can handle. They are easy. Notice, uh, we are heavy laden in the burden of sin, but Jesus offers rest. Now, he, he'll give us his yoke, but it's easy and the burden is light. We can carry it. And so we need to be joyful in the fact that we've been invited to share in salvation. Of course, just another way to say that is that we can be joyful in God's forgiveness. What an amazing thing that this creator that we mentioned a few minutes ago, the one who created all the universe, who spoke into existence everything that we see and know, what an amazing thing that he would care to forgive us, to, to establish a relationship with us. It just is shocking. Here we are, we, we've sinned, and we've, we've done things we should have never even thought of doing, let alone do them, and, and, and we've gotten ourselves in a ruined condition, and yet God chooses to forgive us. I was thinking the other day, have you ever, have you ever had an important form to fill out, you know, maybe an application for a job or something else that's real important? And you're trying very carefully to just print it as neatly as you possibly can, and you, you get about halfway down the page, and then you make this horrible blunder. <sighs> you know, you, you've messed it up. Now, well, you know, they're gonna, if I try to erase it or if I try to put correction fluid on it, they're going to see that I messed that up, and it, it's going to, it's really going to make me look bad, and oh. And then someone says, well, just throw that one away. Here's a, here's a clean sheet. Here's a clean form. You can start over again. You can, you can have it fresh. To me, that's probably a very inadequate representation of the idea of being forgiven of God. He gives us a clean form. He lets us start over. What an amazing thing that is that God would, we could, we should be joyful about that. We remember the famous sermon of Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse 37. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They realized that what Peter was saying about them and their sins was true. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brothers, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have the joy of God's forgiveness, a clean sheet to start anew, and we can be so grateful for that. We should be so joyful for that. We can be joyful that we have been given the privilege of entering the kingdom. You know, we have, and we talked somewhat about that in our class this morning, we have great privileges as citizens of the United States. We live in a wonderful place. Now, a lot of times we talk about the troubles that plague our nation, but with all the troubles that plague our nation, this is still where you want to be. 
Have you been hearing the news in the last couple of weeks about all the people who are trying to come up from uh, Central America, who are flooding the southern border? You know, there's a uh, illegal immigration is much in the news. And while we might talk about the politics of that, no one can deny that if you were down there, you'd like to come to the United States too. You'd like to get here. If you were living in those uh, harsh conditions from which those people are leaving, and and if you want, if you wanted something better, you'd want to come here too. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to have some controls or regulate that and make it work more efficiently than it's working now. But what I'm saying is you can't blame those people for wanting to be here because this is the place where you want to be, right? Is the United States. Well, spiritually, think of it that way. We were in a miserable condition, but we've been invited to come into the kingdom of our Lord. What, a, what an amazing thing. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We're in the kingdom. That's a joyful thing. We should really rejoice in knowing that we are in the Lord's kingdom. Lots of these things that we're saying here, we just sort of, they all overlap, obviously. And we're not trying to be distinct and we're not trying to be in depth. We're just trying to list things that we can and should be joyful about we ought to be joyful about fellowship with God and His people. Everything that we sort of have talked about so far suggests this important fellowship with God. And that's really something to be joyful about. We have fellowship with God. We don't, we don't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. But God has extended His fellowship to us anyway when we have been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with God. But right here I want it to emphasize that we also have fellowship with His people, who, by the way, happen to be the best people in all the world. And that's an amazing thing. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, "...that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship one with another." Uh, I, I hope that we all stay conscious of the fact that we have that blessing of being in fellowship with one another in the kingdom of Christ. That's a really good thing. Uh, and, and it should not be taken for granted, and it shouldn't be taken lightly, and we ought to work hard to maintain that important relationship that we share with each other. It's a great blessing. Don't, don't neglect it. Don't take it for granted. Uh, cherish the fact that not only do we have fellowship with God, which is just overwhelmingly amazing, but we have fellowship with His people as well. There's joy in what the Scriptures refer to as the peace of God. You know the verse, Philippians 4, verse 7, uh, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace of God, it passes understanding. You, the idea of that is you really can't describe it uh, in words. It needs to be experienced. It is the peace of God which passes all understanding. Uh, lots of things that we've said already this morning go into that. How could God in heaven care to uh, have a relationship with us? How could He send His Son to die as a sacrifice for our sins? How could He want to establish a, a fellowship with us? All of that is in these things that are just almost beyond understanding. Have you ever... This is different than what you might have heard. Have you ever heard some folks in the religious world talk about a better felt than told experience. Now, what they mean by that, and we usually stop and say, no, 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 that's not how it happened. They're talking about 
that they have some kind of an overwhelming emotional event in their life. And then based upon that overwhelming emotional event, they claim salvation. This and this happened to me, and therefore I know I'm saved. And we always point out that's not how salvation comes. Salvation is a rational thing. You learn uh, and obey. You choose and make a determination to act upon the truths of God's Word. And so you're not saved by some better felt than told experience. You're saved by learning and obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here, I think the Apostle Paul is describing something that almost has to be felt. It's not easy to tell about the peace of God which passes understanding. But we have that. And what an amazing thing to have that peace. We don't have to, we don't have to be afraid like people of the world. We, we, we don't even have to fear death. We have the peace of God which passes all understanding. That's something to be joyful in. As Christians, there's joy in having our priorities properly set. Surely you know some folks in your acquaintance who just sort of wander about aimlessly. You know, they, they, they don't seem to know what it's about, or what they're doing, where they want to go, what they want to do. They just, they just seem like they're at loose ends. They, nothing is certain. They, and they don't know, they don't really know what is most important to them. And so, uh, one day they may be pursuing a certain thing, and the next time you see them, they may have completely abandoned that and are going after something different, and their life is just a mess. They don't have their priorities sorted out. Well, we do. We have our priorities set. We know what matters, and we know where we're going. And we, we have that order, that, that sense of prioritizing things, which I think is so important, and it makes our lives easier. You know, our lives are easier because we know what's supposed to be most important. And we know, although that's not to say that we're perfect in following those priorities, but we know what we ought to be doing. There's really not a question. You know, when things come up, the question is not, what should we do? The question is, will I do it, right? But we know, we have this sense of priority that is so important to a, a meaningful life. Furthermore, there's joy in anticipating God's promises. There's always a, a sense of excitement when you're coming upon some special day or uh, maybe you're about to go on vacation or something, you know, and you anticipate something in the future that you're really looking forward to. Uh, that, that's, that, that's really a good thing. And we, we, look, we, we enjoy that feeling of knowing something good is waiting for us in the future. Well, certainly, spiritually, we can have that joy in anticipating God's promises for eternity. Uh, notice the famous words of Matthew 25, verse 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Here Jesus is suggesting how judgment will be and those who will receive that great reward of eternity in heaven. What a joyful thing to anticipate that. We've got to keep remembering, of course, I know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but we've got to stay focused on the fact that whatever's going on right here and now is temporary. This is, this is not even, doesn't even constitute the blinking of an eye in, in terms of eternity. And so, uh, as we look forward to those promises of God, that we can be with Him eternally in heaven, what a thing. What an amazing thing. What a joyful thing for us to contemplate. 
that should keep us joyful and should keep us enduring whatever we have to endure here and now to have that. And then finally, just by way of summary, there's, there's joy in having God in our lives. The, as I said, this is sort of a summary of, of everything that we've said already. And, and again, I stress to you, I'm not a, there's no attempt to be deep with any of this, of course. Very obvious, simple things. The intention is to make us joyful in our salvation. There's joy in having God in our lives. You've had the experience of going to a funeral of someone who was not a Christian, someone who didn't even care at all about God, had no religion in their life whatsoever. And what a sad thing that is. Have you ever, have you ever just stopped and sort of reflected on how sad a, a, a life wasted in that way is? No relationship with God, no care for God, no even thought of God in their life. And you wonder, what was their life all about anyway? What's the purpose? Why did they even live? What, you know, now this person is dead, and in a matter of just a few months, at most a few years, they'll be completely forgotten. No one even remember them. No one ever think of them again. What did they live for? What was the purpose of their living? It's just, it's sad. But because we have God in our lives, we have purpose and meaning. We know what it's about. And it, and, it, and it gives real basis for understanding all about life. In Psalms 35, verse 9, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in His salvation. And so, joy of salvation. We have it. We need to be joyful. We need to show it. We need to demonstrate it. And I really think that if we will spend time thinking about it, this is not an exhaustive list, by the way, but I think if we will spend time thinking about these kinds of things, it will cause us to be more grateful. And grateful hearts will be joyful hearts. And when we are grateful and joyful, we will show it. Other people will see it. And we may very well be able to influence them to want some of that too. And that's good. And that's the way it ought to be. Do you know the joy of salvation this morning? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? We've been trying to emphasize that's, that's what it's all about. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you don't have the privilege of this joy we've been describing this morning. Now, some people deceive themselves into thinking they do, but they really don't. If we understand the Bible at all, we understand it to tell us that Jesus came and died on the cross, shed his blood there to make salvation available, and we've been told how to access that blood. Upon hearing the truth and believing it, we repent of our sins, confess our faith in Jesus, we're baptized for the remission of sin. If you've never done that, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. If you need more study or more information, just say so. We'd be glad to study with you. But this is what you need to decide to do. If you're a Christian already, but you've let that joy of salvation depart from you because you haven't worked at maintaining that relationship with God as you should, if you know you've sinned and fallen away from Him, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing. Jesus, by night, to ask Him the way of salvation and life, to ask Him to pay